Hello and welcome to the Neshama Project podcast, where we provide spiritual tools for living happier, healthier, more fulfilled lives. I'm Rabbi Ben Newman. Today, I would like to talk about the Jewish holiday of Tu Ba'av, the 15th of Av, uh, one of the lesser known Jewish holidays. Uh, not very often talked about in Jewish circles, but to me it's one of the more interesting and important Jewish holidays, despite the fact that it's not very well known. It takes place uh, shortly after, six days after Tisha B'Av, which is the ninth of Av, which is the communal day of Jewish mourning, where we remember the destruction of the first and second temples, and many other tragedies that occurred in Jewish history. But on Tu Ba'av, uh, we are supposed to celebrate. It is seen as a day of love uh, and happiness. And it is a day on which the erotic is celebrated uh, and the idea of things being in full blossom and full bloom uh, is celebrated. It is in the height of the summer, uh, and usually it is in one of the hottest months in the summer. The 15th of Av is uh, a day when the sun is at its height, and also being the 15th of the day of the month. It is when there's a full moon. So every 15th day of a Jewish month, there is a full moon. And there are actually several different Jewish New Year festivals, uh, or festivals that we call New Year's, that happen on the 15th of the month. And one of them is something that you might actually know, which is to be Shvat, the 15th of Shvat, which is sort of a celebration of uh, the kernel of the end of the winter. And uh, Tu Ba'av and Tu Bishvat are sort of two different polar opposite times. Uh, it is uh, on Tu Bishvat, uh, it's just when the sap begins to rise again in the trees after the winter, the beginning of the seeds of warmth and spring coming slowly into the world, or back into the world, and uh, Tu Ba'av is a day when that uh, fire energy, for want of a better term, is at its height. It's perfectly warm. Uh, And so Tu Ba'av is a day where the sun is at its height, the fire power of the sun, the fire energy of the sun is at its height, of the element of of fire uh, in a spiritual sense, uh, which is often associated with male energy. Um, I sometimes have a problem with the idea of male and female energy, uh, except for to say that these energies are supposedly both... uh, Both energies are... Within every human being, there's masculine and feminine energies. And and we'll see in one of the readings uh, uh, by Kalanimus Kalman Halevi Epstein, uh, we'll see 
a sort of critique of the masculine and feminine. Um, anyway, so it, the Tuba Av is a day when the masculine, quote-unquote, energy of the fire of the sun is at its height, and uh, being the 15th of the month and a full moon, it's when the uh, water energy, the energy of the moon, uh, also associated with the feminine, is also at its height. So it's a day when the masculine and the feminine are both at their height. So I wanted to sort of use that introduction as a jumping off point. Uh, and now I'd like to present some texts uh, that will slowly build toward giving us an understanding of um, some of what Tuba'av is all about and the perfect future, the utopian future that the holiday of Tuba'av is pointing us towards. And maybe it's not just a future, maybe it's a utopian present, uh, if we can access that consciousness. Uh, but let me begin. So I want to start by uh, bringing forward a quote about Miriam, the prophetess. And this is from Exodus 15, 20 through 21. It says, uh, this is right after the Israelites crossed the sea, or as they're crossing the sea and escaping Egypt, uh, and the sea has split and they're walking through. It's, uh, and there's two quotes here. One is about Miriam, and it says, Az Yashir Moshe. Well, the first one is about Moses. It says, Az Yashir Moshe, that Moses will sing this song. Uh, and then... Uh, it's Michamocha by Eli Madonai. It's this, this song, Who's Like You, O God. And then it also says, this quote that I'm about to read, Miriam the prophetess, prophetess uh, Ash says, Ashira Ladonai, we sing to God uh, in the present tense. So pay attention to that. So Exodus 15, 20 through 21. Then Miriam the prophetess, Aaron's sister, took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrels and dancing. And Miriam sang to them, and again this is in the present tense uh, coming up, Sing unto Adonai, for Adonai has triumphed, O triumphed horse and rider hurled into the sea. So... That's a little bit of context of Miriam's song that, that uh, we're going to build on here. Uh, and there's more about um, connecting Miriam to water beyond just the crossing of the sea. There's also, uh, and to singing, uh, there's also this idea that she was the one who could find the water. Uh, and that she had a well, Miriam's well, that she was able to find uh, whenever the Israelites needed water. And in the section where Miriam dies, right afterwards, they have problems finding the water. And then after that, uh, God says to Moses that he should uh, speak to the well and water will come forth. And instead of speaking to the well, Moses gets very angry and yells at the people and then hits the well, hits the hits the rock that he's supposed to speak to uh, to get water to come out. And this, according to the tradition, is why Moses did not get to enter the land of Israel and had to stay in uh, the desert and, and die in the desert before entering the land. 
because of this moment where he hit the rock instead of singing to the rock or speaking to the rock. Um, so uh, according to the Midrash, uh, the well that, that Miriam could bring forward was shaped like a sieve, and it would roll around with them on their travels. And whenever they stopped, the rock would dig deep into the sand, the rock where the, the water came out. And the tradition says that the leaders of the tribes would come and stand next to the rock, and they would say, uh, rise up, O well. And they would actually speak to the, to the rock, and they would talk to it and say, rise up, O well. And the well would come out, and the spring would come out of, of the rock. Uh, and this, according to tradition, was to, to tradition was the rock that Moses hit, and uh, also the rock that Moses originally brought forward water from when, in right after the Exodus, the people were complaining about ha- not having water. And this uh, this idea of uh, Israel, the the elders or people uh, speaking to the rock and having the water come out of it comes from Numbers twenty one seventeen, where it says, "Then Israel sang this song, spring up a well and sing to it." And so the idea is that they would actually sing to the well, or Miriam would sing to the well, and the water would come out of the well. And so the female energy, quote unquote of Miriam was not about striking the rock so that water would come out as Moses did with a staff, a very phallic staff, but it was instead singing to the rock to bring forward the water. And this is the idea of this um, supposedly quote-unquote feminine energy of water. Uh, It doesn't work in the same way as that uh, the fire energy the masculine quote-unquote fire energy works it is something that rises up from the ground that has to be sung to it it, it is it's it doesn't respond to violence it it uh it responds to song and to speech so that's a little bit more context about miriam and water and the well and and all of that uh, and Miriam's dance, by the way, as well, that she did as she was singing is part of this, too. Uh, and the idea, back to what it said when she was crossing the sea, is she said in the present tense, sing to Adonai. So now I'd like to just switch gears a little bit. I'll return to this idea of Miriam and the water and the well and song uh, in a moment. But first I'd like to delve a little bit into Tu Ba'av. So this is a quote from the Talmud, Ta'anit 30b. The Mishnah taught that Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel said there were no days as happy for the Jewish people as the 15th of Av, Tuba'av, and as Yom Kippur. The Gemara asks, granted, Yom Kippur is a day of joy because it has the elements of pardon and forgiveness, and moreover, it is the day on which the last pair of tablets were given. However, what is the special joy of the 15th of Av? 
Rabbi Yehuda said that Shmuel said, This was the day on which members of different tribes were permitted to enter one another's tribe by intermarriage. It was initially prohibited to intermarry between tribes so as to keep each plot of land within the portion of the tribe that originally inherited it. This halacha was instituted by the Torah in the wake of a complaint by the relatives of the daughters of Tzalofachad, who were worried that if these women married men from other tribes, the inheritance of Tzalofachad would be lost from his tribe. What did they expound in support of their conclusion that this halacha, this law, was no longer in effect? The verse states... This is the matter that Adonai has commanded concerning the daughters of Tzalofachad, saying, Let them marry who they think best. Only into the family of the tribe of their father shall they marry. They derive from the verse that this matter shall be practiced only in this generation when Israel was divided among the tribes, but afterward members of different tribes were permitted to marry. On the day this barrier separating the tribes was removed, the, the sages established a permanent day of rejoicing. And this is Tuba'av, 15th of Av. So it's a day when uh, the prohibition against intermarrying between the tribes was lifted. So that's one reason. So there's another reason about Tuba'av being the day on which the tribe of Benjamin was, entered, was permitted to enter the congregation, but I want to skip that one. Uh, another one, Rabbi Bar Barchana and Rabbi Yochanan said the 15th of Av was the day on which the deaths of the Jews in the wilderness ceased. The entire generation that had left Egypt had passed away. As the master said, after the sins of the spies on account of which the Jews of that generation were sentenced to die in the wilderness, as long as the death of the Jews in the wilderness had not ceased, God's speech did not come to Moses as it is stated, and it came to pass when the men of war were consumed and dead from among the people that the Lord spoke to me, saying, that's from Moses speaking in Deuteronomy 2, 16, 17. This indicates that only then, after the last member of that generation had died, was God's speech delivered to me, i.e. Moses, but not beforehand. When the Jews realized that the decree that God would not speak to Moses had been lifted, they established that day as a day of permanent rejoicing. So that's another explanation of the 15th of Av. It's the day when the old generation finished dying out and the new generation was the only generation that was left. So it's a day of renewal in that sense. So there's some uh, a couple of other reasons, um, but I'm going to skip over them. Uh, then here's another reason. It is Ra Rava and Rav Yosef who both say that the 15th of Av was the day on which they stopped chopping down trees for the arrangement of wood that burned on the altar as, as it is taught in a Baraita that Rabbi Eliezer the Great says, from the 15th of Av onward, the strength of the sun grows weaker. And from this day, they would not cut additional wood for the arrangement as they would not be properly dry and they would therefore be unfit for use in the temple, right? So as I was saying before, it's sort of the polar opposite of Tu Bishvat. Tu Bishvat is the day on which the 
the sap, the water, the liquid in the trees begin to rise again and slowly come out and reinvigorate the trees. And to Ba'av is the day where it's at its height, where the water fills up the trees to the highest level. Um, and the power of the sun and the power of the water, uh, the fire and the water elements are filling up the tree and making it very strong uh, and full with water. They, this, that's what the 15th of Av was, which is why they stopped chopping down trees on Tuba Av to make water, to make trees uh, for temple use, wood for temple use. So I'm continuing this quote from the Talmud. Rev. Menashe said, and they called the 15th of Av the day of the breaking of the saws. As from this day onward, no more trees were cut down, and therefore, it was a celebration for the trees. So just like Tu Bishvat, Tu Ba'av is a celebration of the trees, and it's a day that the trees were so strong and powerful in their fire and water elements that they couldn't be cut down because the saws would be broken if they tried to cut the trees. Hence, it's another name for Tuba'av is the day of the breaking of the saws. The Gemara adds, from the 15th of Av onward, when the days begin to shorten, one who adds to their nightly Torah study will add years to their life, and one who does not add will not be gathered. And then one more reason. The Mishnah also stated that the daughters of the Jewish people would go out and dance in the vineyards on Tubav. Atana taught, one who did not have a partner would turn there to find one. And now the last quote here from the Gemara about Tubav, which is a very interesting thing that they're bringing up here. And I want to highlight this. Ula of the city of Birah said that Rabbi Elazar said, In the future, the Holy Blessed One will arrange a dance, a machol, of the righteous. And God will be sitting among them in the Garden of Eden. And each and every one of the righteous will point to God with their finger, as it is stated. And it shall be said on that day, Behold, this is our God for whom we waited that God might save us. This is Yudhevavhe, for whom we have waited. We will be glad and rejoice in their salvation. Isaiah 25, 9. God will be revealed so that every righteous individual will be able to say, this is our God, as though they were pointing at God, at them, God meaning God, with their, with a finger. So on this day, we remember, for some reason, this idea, this, this Midrash, that in the future, some future time, everybody will be having a dance, and they'll point to God, who will be dancing among them. And they'll point to God and say, this is our God. And they're bringing forth a quote from Isaiah, Ani Adonai Karaticha Betzedek, I Adonai have called to you in righteousness and have taken hold of your hand and kept you and set you for a covenant of the people for a light of the nations, or Lagoim, a light of the nations. Kikol Ha'amim 
yelchu ish b'shem Elohav. For though all of the people walk, even in the name of their gods, we will walk in the name of Yudhevavhei forever and ever. And every person shall sit under their grapevine or fig tree when no one will disturb them. For it was Yudhevavhei, Adonai of hosts, who spoke. Right? So this is the famous quote from Washington, George Washington's farewell address that's quoted in the um, One Last Time song from Hamilton. Right? It says, Every man will sit under his own vine and fig tree, and no one will make him afraid. Right? But the idea here is that the divine will be present in the world in a way never seen before, even to people of many different belief systems, that uh, the divine will be present to everyone. And that's the quote that they're quoting uh, when they're saying that in the future, people will all be in a dance in the Garden of Eden and, and God will be revealed. So now, now that we have that context about the bringing up of this Midrash about the time when everybody will be dancing in the Garden of Eden with God and pointing to the middle and saying, this is, this is our God. Now that we have that context, I'd like to bring forward a commentary from Rabbi Kalanimus Kalman Halevi Epstein from the book Ma'or Vashemesh on Parshat Beshalach, which is the parsha where we read about the crossing of the sea. And that quote from Exodus that we started off with, Exodus 15, 20 through 21. the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women went after her with their timbrels and dancing. And Miriam called out to them, Sing to Adonai, who is most exalted. So this is the quote that we started off with. Now let's look at what Kalanimus Kalman Halevi Epstein has to say about this. A close reading of these verses reveals several questions. What does this come to teach us that all the women went out after Miriam? And where exactly did she take them? And why does it stress that they were dancing? And why does Moses say, I will sing to Adonai in the future tense, while Miriam says, sing to Adonai in the present tense? It seems there is a hint in the teaching from the Talmud the one that we just read, that, quote, in the future, the Holy One of Blessing will hold a dance for the righteous and will sit among them. And each of them will point to God, saying, This is God, whom I have hoped. And also, in Rashi's explanation, that the dance will be in the shape of a circle, like the strip of land that separates one person's orchard from another, for the word machol, which is the word for dance, has both meanings, meaning the word for dance, but also the word 
for circle. We can understand the connection if we look at how the cosmos was made. For when it arose in God's simple will to create the cosmos, God withdrew the divine self and made a circle of non-divinity within the infinite divine. This is known as Tzimtzum in Kabbalah, this contraction of God's self, of the infinite, from a area of space. And this area is usually seen as a sphere or uh, a circle. So God withdrew the divine self and made a circle of non-divinity within the infinite divine and only then created the worlds with the kav, the straight line of divine, which pierced the empty space, right? So now we have sort of the prototypical masculine feminine, right? The feminine being the circle, the masculine being the channel. Um, again, uh, this idea of masculinity and femininity, I would say it's not bound to... Uh, male or female people. <laughs> I think each one of us has masculine and feminine elements. I think they're um, sort of prototypical ways of looking at the world. One is like a circle, one is like a line. So back to the text, God withdrew the divine self and made a circle of divinity within the infinite divine and only then created the worlds with the straight line of divine light which pierced the empty space all the worlds drew on the divine light for their substance in equal measure until the cosmos had manifested and the different worlds had begun to differentiate, each according to the amount of divine energy within it. In the highest world, the divine self only limited, only slightly limited the divine light, and in the next lower world there was more limitation, and so on until the last world, and even now... Each world continues to receive the divine effulgence from above and gives of it to the world below, and the lower world must grow in order to receive the effulgence from above and learn from it how to serve God. And we who live in the lowest world grasp God in the opposite direction, from the bottom up, quote, raising the holy sparks, unquote, growing as we pass from one level to the next, receiving more and learning at each stage how to better serve the Holy One. So all the worlds and every created thing exist as, quote, male and, quote, female, for when something gives, it is called male, and when it receives, it is called, quote, female. But in the future, everyone will fix his or her soul to its root in God, raising the holy sparks back up to their creator and the very essence of, quote, outerness, unquote, will be nullified so that no one and nothing is left outside. Then will the full brilliance of the divine light appear in every world, and the circle and the line will be equal. Then there will be no such thing as male and female, for everything will grasp the divine light in equal measure as in a circle where there is no beginning and no end. Then no one will need to learn from another, just as each farmer whose orchard is circled by a machol receives his sustenance from his own share of land and does not take from his neighbors. 
This is the meaning of Jeremiah's prophecy. No longer will a person teach their neighbor, for everyone from the smallest to the greatest will know God. And of the teaching from the Talmud, in the future the Holy One of Blessing will hold a dance for the righteous and will sit among them. This is the teaching that we read. This is also the meaning of the Hakafot, the circle dances we dance on Hoshana Rabbah and Shmini Atzeret, which we perform in the mystery of Jeremiah's prophecy. The Lord will create a new thing on earth. A woman will encircle a man. That's from Jeremiah. For through the Hakafot we bring down the divine light in which there is no male and female. And this was the intention of Miriam the prophetess when she led all the women out and danced hakafot with them. It's a beautiful trans Torah here, right? Uh, And a beautiful vision of Miriam's dance and the idea of a circle dance and the idea of getting beyond masculine and feminine and those binaries right and a binary uh is sort of in itself sort of a masculine idea when you're thinking about the line right a line is two points right and the line connecting those two points is is like the channel right like the masculine but a circle is beyond the binary right there is no binary it's all equal right all of the points are equal in the circle Now, the full brilliance of the divine light had not yet appeared when Moses and the others sang, and they had not yet come to a deeper understanding of God, so they spoke from a place where male and female exist separately. So they said, I will sing to the, will will sing to Yudhevavhei, that is, when I understand, then I will sing. But Miriam brought down the divine light through her dancing. And then they achieved the highest understanding of divinity possible. And so she told them, sing now to Yudhevavhei. So there's a lot here, right? And the idea here is this vision of the future when the righteous will have this circle dance and they're all pointing towards God who's in the center of the circle. But what happens when you're in a circle and you're pointing towards the center of the circle with your finger and saying, this is God? You're pointing to somebody else in the circle, right? And because every place you point is some other point, some other person in the circle, right? There's no hierarchy anymore. The divine fills everything and everyone, and everyone knows the divine from every single level. And this is the idea of the circle, right? And this is the idea of Tuba'av, and the messianic vision of Tuba'av, and why I think this quote is brought forward from the Talmud, uh, when it's discuss, discussing Tuba'av, right? it's this idea of, to, of a day when the fire energy of the sun and the water energy of the moon are at their height 
and we sort of transcend the masculine and feminine and we move to a time that is one in which the divine fills everything on all levels and we can sort of dwell in that consciousness. I think it's a, a very deep piece of Torah for this holiday of Tubav. And a beautiful thing to remember in general at this time of year, in the height of the summer, the height of the summer heat, in the intense energy of this time of year, where everything is sort of blossoming, but even to the point of being so hot that it starts to, to die. Um, there's a very strong energy of this time, and if we can channel it, uh, we get just just a glimpse of what it might look like to live in a world where we conceive of an end to the binaries of masculine and feminine and an end to uh, hierarchy in uh, a destructive way, right? Rather than a, a holarchy, um, right? That we're living in a world where the divine fills everything and we can point to one another and say, this is the God for whom I have waited. Thank you for listening today, and I wish everybody a joyous Tuba Av, filled with love and filled with knowledge of the divine that's in you um, and the divine that's in all of the people that you know. May you be filled with that feeling today and let it carry you through uh, to bring you to the coming season of the fall when we'll be celebrating the new year, Rosh Hashanah, which will be beginning again uh, with new possibility and a new creation. Again, thank you all for listening. Until next time, this has been Rabbi Ben Newman with Neshama Project Podcast. Take care.